Are you living the crazy life of a sports parent? This is Sports Parenthood, the podcast packed with cool conversations with sports people, coaches and professionals for rookie sports parents just like you. You'll hear nuggets of gold in every episode with your hosts, fellow sports parents, John and Tiffany Bonacera. We're back after a short break, if you can call it that on school holidays. I don't know if break's the right word. <laughs> Definitely not. The kids and I went to Canberra for a few days to catch up with friends. Whilst? Uh, well, you stayed I, at I home. I stayed at home and looked after Cece the cat. I, I did go to work during that period as well, but... I was here looking after the cat and feeding him. Interestingly, the kids thought that they'd uh, been dropped off in the Arctic when we arrived at Canberra. You wouldn't have thought that they'd lived there for eight years. And not literally like two years ago and they've forgotten how cold it is and it's only April. And they don't know what a jacket is, even though I told them to pack one. We did warn them. (laughs) Nonetheless, it was a fun time. Um, As we said, caught up with lots of people, reconnected because we haven't been down for a a number of months because of COVID. Um, It's a bit more than a number of months. I did wear a jacket, so I was fine. It was all good. Nice. Did you wear a beanie? Yes, I did when I was running. I pulled out the beanie. So what's the best thing you've done in recent weeks, John John? Um, I'd have to say it's uh, – look, work, we've had a bit of a, an upturn, which has been nice. Um, to be honest, it could have been much worse. Well, it's been great to, <laughs> to show some forward progress. and But probably on a personal level, the opportunity to go surfing with Miller a few times over the school holidays and see her progress was, was really enjoyable. We had a one afternoon where her first wave, she got absolutely walloped and she – Came up and I could see her coughing and spluttering and I thought, here we go, we're getting out before we get in. And I just tried to nurture her through it and say, look, there's some really good waves here and I think you're going to have some really good fun if you can just get past this first one. And uh, she ended up riding several waves all the way into the shore from out the back and she was smiling like a Cheshire cat. So that was a, a really lovely experience. What's your worst? The worst was probably getting the FaceTime from you guys in Canberra with all our friends and having a barbecue and, and, and not being there in person it made me sad, to be mm. honest. You did look a bit sad on that FaceTime yeah. call. Yeah, I felt it, I'll be honest. Uh, but, you know, because that's really what life's about, isn't it? It's about people. Mm-hmm. It's not about places. Uh, you share in those, but really it's about the experience that you have with others. Uh, well, you're going you're gonna to share what your best and worst Best, you're not coming to Canberra. Oh, awesome. <laughs> no. It's a bit mean, that isn't it? Was mean. <laughs> it was. What about the what about the best really then? It probably was going to Canberra. Uh, it, it would have been catching up with friends. That was the best. The worst was joining my previous training partners for a 10K run on the bush trails in Canberra and feeling <laughs> like I was an old lady. <laughs> well, so well, you have been doing a lot of running on your own. Yes, I so know, and I really been doing it. I know, but I've upped my game again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tends to happen when you get in the company of others. Yes. And in this week's episode, now that we're back on deck, you'll meet Matt Roberts. And, and look, let's be honest, he has an extraordinary story. Since the year 2000, he's raised 17 teenage boys who've come from different backgrounds, different situations with different struggles. Some have stayed for weeks, some for months, and many for years. 
And sport has been the constant. It's played a big part in creating a platform for change by keeping the boys busy, providing structure in their lives and probably most importantly, uh, teaching them valuable life lessons. From junior state of origin debuts to the NRL and overseas tennis tournaments, sport has been the impetus for many of these boys to achieve big dreams. Now we paint it as though it's been a smooth ride, but I can assure you it definitely hasn't been easy. And in fact, (laughs) Matt actually uh, alluded to the fact that he has his own chair at the local school's principal's office. And if you're parenting teenagers, you'll know what Matt means when he talks about the FU years. I think we're Sitting right in the pretty in the sweet spot at the moment, aren't we, Tiff? No, I think we're in the FU years. Here's Matt, all the way from Alice Springs in the Northern Territory. You'll love his story. I actually didn't find sports a little bit later, uh, probably till I was um, 12 years old, and then I got into everything. So it was it was cricket and it was rugby league first and then later on it was tennis which has pretty much been my life um, <laughs> as an adult and it, it's a, a Central Coast is a bit more a simple place then not, not quite as busy and crazy as it is now <laughs> and it was yeah it was a, it was a fantastic uh, sporting area. So who were your main supporters when you were young and how did that help you support and achieve your goals in sport particularly as you mentioned tennis? Yeah, I'm not sure. Obviously, um, uh, it's a parental support from mum and dad, but I don't, I don't feel like I had you know masses of uh, support. I didn't really have many mentors or anything like that. So, I think it's probably it could be a a reason why I've chosen the path that I have to maybe if if maybe if I didn't quite get the support I was looking for, I'm able to pass that support on to many others. And I think that's been a or maybe that was one of the catalysts in me doing what I do. With that in mind, if you can clarify exactly what you do do now and your current role, so I um, well I work in the Northern Territory. I'm, I run the the management um, and development for tennis in Alice Springs. Um, I also uh, about twenty one years ago um, I fell into looking uh, looking after uh, a teenager um, as a carer. And then since then, I've, I've taken 17 wow. teenagers in since for various length, lengths of time, for from months to many years. So it's kind of been a it's been a, a dual a dual role, maybe even a more than a dual role, perhaps. So it's been a, a pretty busy last 21 years here in the Northern Territory. <laughs> I am quite sure that's true. And mate, obviously, uh, there's a variety of reasons that. Uh, you may take people into your home, and, and I'm sure some of them are very sad, involving alcohol, drugs, perhaps even death of a parent or parents. And, and some of these kids, I'm sure, are, are from the foster care system as well. Can you delve a little bit more about how this came about? All those reasons and 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 more. Yeah, you know, life's a bit different. Life's a bit different now. You know, um, back in my day, there was um, you know, the father mainly went to work. Uh, the mother may have worked a little bit, but. Uh, mum was home when you got home from school and all that sort of stuff. Um, nowadays, you know, life's totally different. Um, uh, it's very, more common than not that the parents are split and, and children are going between houses and they sort of uh, then the part, the, their parents find new partners and mm. and sometimes, um, you know, the, the teenagers sort of get just, just get lost in the middle, I guess, to, uh, to keep it simple. So um, yeah. that's been my experience, apart from all the other things that you mentioned before. 
So um, about about 2000, had a phone call from someone, 17 years old. Oh, um, yeah, that I was involved with the tennis said, oh, you know, can I uh, come and uh, stay with you, stay with you for a while? This is going on. That's going on. So I said, I'm okay, thinking that it would take me about four or five days to drive up from New South Wales. Um, and he said, oh, by the way, I'm already in Alice Springs. <laughs> so he was already here. He was pretty much ringing me from around the corner. So obviously I said yes, of That's course. And uh, that was all very informal and unofficial at that point. And then, um, you know, as time went on, you know, you get another phone call, another phone call. Then, you know, the Department of Families rings you and said, oh, I've got this, I've got this kid. And then instead of, um, you know, even I've get, I'll get a phone call from Victoria saying, oh, we've heard about that you do this and this. Um, could you take my son in or could you take look after this boy for a while? And, yeah, it sort of, um, it sort of goes from there. What is it that the people, you know, why are they ringing do you think what are some of the things that you feel have played a really important role in the kids' lives before me or after me? Yeah, well, just I guess connecting with you. Why you yeah, know why you've been why you, right. yeah why you've been sought out like that? Um, I don't know. It sounds a bit um, it's a it's a bit sad, but I think um, you know we've got a generation of youth that isn't loved like the previous generation. Mm. I mean, that's pretty trying to simplify it there a bit, but. You know, a lot of parents with their busy work and and dual, dual, they've got an ex-partner and they've got a current partner. Everyone's leading very busy lives. I'm not saying this is done on purpose or anything. We understand exactly um, what you're saying. And, um, you know, mm. teenagers just get lost, inadvertently forgotten about. Um, and I guess to, to keep it simple, my, my job's to uh, to probably love them, put them first for a little bit, and then we'll see what we can do from there. And, of course, sport plays a a massive part in that because it's a big mm. part of keeping them busy. So the elite part can come second, but just to try and um, mm. Uh, mm. keep them busy, give them structure, um, give them um, some some love that, you know, was inadvertently lacking or in some cases, you know, when it's, it's you know, in drugs and alcohol or, in, or death mm. is involved, you know, maybe it was never there to start with. And, um, yeah, try and, re, try and rebuild their lives. Because of your engagement with sport, and, and you mentioned it to a degree in your answer to the previous question. It's quite pivotal to what you've done in your life and obviously an opportunity for them to have some structure or routine and perhaps even offering them an opportunity to have realistic goals and dreams through something that they may never have seen before. Can you, can you share you know, some of the, the theory behind that and how you utilise sport to help these kids sort of get on their feet? Well, I, th- I think you... Um, I covered a lot of it in, in, in your question. You probably you're surprised I answered the question in the question. I Sorry, think, I think mate. You've got, that's First right, mate, rule you've of got journalism. <laughs> should have asked I, an open, open ended. Question. Sorry, John. bud. <laughs> we met at Intro um, to News too in so journalism. Did Matt and I. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it does provide structure. So they you know, they attend after X amount of trainings, and then there's game day, and they have to have a a lot of responsibilities. They have to answer to a to another adult who's the coach, um, answering to an adult is not the specialty of these teenagers. Mm. They're not, not necessarily used to doing what they're asked to do or doing what they're told. Also, to be able to uh, meet other people, perhaps like-minded people. So the only people that a lot of these teenagers are hanging with are, are people that, you know, you maybe prefer that they didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this gives them the opportunity to be with other uh, like-minded people who are a bit more maybe driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're driven doesn't mean they, they're trying to 
play NRL or for Cricket Australia or for, for the Australian tennis team or make the Olympics or anything like that. It just means that they want to try their hardest, they want to show up, and yeah, I'm hoping that, uh, that the kids, the teenagers, will acquire not just sporting skills but, but life skills as well. I don't think – I'm not sure. There are, there are definitely – Parents that put their kids in thinking, you know what, I am actually would be keen on them being a gymnastic star or a golf star or a tennis star. There's, there's no doubt that that happens. I've experienced that in my job. But I think that most of, most of the part, you, um, you just want them to have a go. Yeah. Mm, and be busy, like and, you said, be busy. Yeah, and have some structure. And be busy. And, I'm, and I am looking for them to have to acquire some life skills as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, whether or not you think that's the job of a, a sporting coach or not, you know, I'm definitely in it for them to, to learn something about life and be a better person as well. Just building on that then, um, you know, I guess some of those things would be perhaps resilience and, and, and etiquette, and you did mention that, and, and the sportsmanship, even though I don't love that word, sportspersonship. Yeah, well, well, being <laughs> being a good being a good, good sport, competitor, good being a good sport. How do I guess? How does that? How do you facilitate that with? Um, I guess kids from, you know, lots of different backgrounds, backgrounds and lifestyles. And what are some of the things that you've seen, perhaps? Yeah, so that takes time. That takes time. So, uh, for example, uh, some common things would be, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're playing they're playing in a team sport, and another one of mm-hmm. their Teammates make an error. They yep. actually would, yep. their personalities. They'll blow up about it, which of course is that's terrible, you know. Yeah. Um, so yep. that that's that's a that's a really big thing. One of the greatest things they can learn is to be able to have the ability mm-hmm. to celebrate someone else's success. Hard to find. I didn't learn that till I was you know, mm. till I was well till I was well in adulthood. I didn't learn that. Um, I want these uh, boys, amazing because that's who I take in. I want these boys to be able to learn that. That I think it's a fantastic thing. We mm. love we love in, that and in life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you know it's easy for to maybe talk someone down, even though we, even not in a nasty way, just to talk someone down because it can make them seem a bit more appealing mm. or something, make them yeah. look a bit better. That's the main the, the main issue with uh, the, some of the boys I've raised. So uh, for them to be able to celebrate someone's success, that's probably another thing as well. It's really really important, but how they react. Uh, just trying to build their resilience and how they react to disappointment mm. because these kids have had a life of disappointment. Mm. Even if they don't realise they've had a life of disappointment, it's, you know, it's, sometimes it's very underlying and it takes a while for them to actually realise what's happened to mm. them over time. Mm. Um, and that's just heartbreaking, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, it can take a long, long time for them to realise that, you know, maybe their parents not as keen as they would hope, they're, they're not, their birth parents not as keen. Mm. Or that they're really, really busy, mm. or um, that they're maybe not the most important. Uh, you know, they're maybe important, but they're not the most important thing um, in in a parent's life, and something like that. So, uh, yeah, there's there's so much, so many things that I'm looking for, and so many uh, character traits that might be different to um, some of the kids that parents listening might have. Mate, there's I, I, I could go in 36 directions from that. It was such a great answer. I think that sharing other people's joy is a really mm. important trait. Mm. And um, even mm. even in a professional setting where I'm fortunate enough to work, obviously we're only choosing 17 players a week and we've got 34 players in the squad. So essentially 17 players at certain points of every week can be really disappointed and learning what you just described, you can still be competitive and have a healthy competition for spots but enjoy other people's mm. success whilst they have it. 
and the other one of the other character traits is there's still there's definitely across the board reluctance for them if they're doing well or if they know something to be able to share that knowledge with their teammates. Yes, mm. they kind of want to keep these these boys want to keep it to themselves a bit because you know they're a bit excited. They go, oh wow, I can do this. You know, but what I'm what I'm saying to them is if they make other people better as well, then they're going to get then they're going to get better. You know, and sometimes they won't, oh, this team's really strong or, oh, they've got all the good players in their team. You know, that's that's a, that's an easy positive for me. You know, imagine how much better you're going to get now because you're playing against the best. Playing against the best. You know what I mean? Like-minded, my friend. 100% agree. Look, without revealing anything personal, could you share some stories or of some of the achievements or moments that you've, you, I'm sure you feel fortunate enough to have experienced with the boys that you've taken in over time? They can go one of one of two ways, one of three ways, I guess, when they when they arrive. But I've had a a boy uh, win a tennis tournament in France, for example. Mm. It's just a, a huge a huge thing, a huge thing to and to be able to to get that phone call at whatever time in the morning it was. Uh, amazing um, that he even got to, to France to play. Oh, I mean, yes, I mean, incredible. I've taken some of these boys overseas, and you know, you got someone who might have been. Um, in juvie, on the cusp of juvie, and then next minute, you know, th- you know, four years later, he's standing in the middle of um, Central Park in New York. It's, it's just a- incredible transformation, and um, mm. so that, yeah, that that's. Uh, it's not just the sporting things; it's about moments like that. You you've got to you taking some boys overseas or just to experience life, or you you've taken them to um, a sporting event as interstate, which might seem simple to a lot of us listening, but. The reality is they're probably not leaving their town ever mm. and and they can learn uh, learn probably more there than they would at school. And, and trust me, I've spent my fair share of time in principal's offices. I can, tell, <laughs> I can, promise, you, I can promise you all that. There was, there was one school where I've got my own chair. <laughs> one, my own chair. Can you believe that in, in one school? <laughs> even in the last 12 months i've got you know i've everyone else has to make an appointment with the principal i just i just arrived and he goes yep come in you know? <laughs> so so i mean that's pretty cool at the moment as well but i mean i've had um uh, boys be in rugby league be selected as you know player of the carnival for their for their team or their state um i've had uh, a boy make his you know junior state of origin debut which was a huge, um, you know, making an NRL debut. Unbelievable. Um, um, I've got a boy who just last week's had his first game in an NRL system. Wow. Uh, That's incredible. Two, two, and there, yeah, one's, one's nearly 24 now. That's even more incredible because it takes and, a huge amount of resilience. And I always told, I always told him that he could do it. I always do. He, he looks back now and, and says, God, you know, I love saying I told you so secretly. I know parents like to, parents. Uh, like to that, of course they? we do. Uh, to go <laughs> naturally, and, um, and but it, but it's in a, it's in a good way, you know. I always knew it was there, but you know this boy in particular, I still call him a boy, but um, it's you know really just even at seventeen, you know, eighteen lacks so much resilience. Just you know they don't believe in themselves because no one's believed in them mm-hmm. in any in any capacity. And I again, I you know, I can't stress enough that. This is a, such a societal issue. It's not people. I don't think there's bunches of parents going around saying, you know, I'm not interested or whatever. I think it's a product of current society. We, we live in a, a world where social policy hasn't changed in 50 mm, years. Mm. 
everything else has changed, but not social policy. A lot more kids, you know, suffering from genuine mental yes. illness or, or anxieties than, than ever before. I was at high school. I don't remember anyone ever feeling like well, that. Or maybe we did, we just didn't talk yeah, about it. I'm not sure. I don't you know. know. That's an interesting one, actually. That was a question I was going to ask. So it, you, if you've been involved doing this for 20 years, seeing the difference in the kids coming through in terms of those skills or resilience or lack thereof would be an interesting insight too. Yeah, yeah. I think um, for, for most of the kids I take in, they're, they're not, they don't mm. come in super resilient or uh, super confident. I mean, a lot of them have uh, plenty of sporting ability. They've probably tried, you know, they've tried footy, they've tried boxing, they've tried all sorts of things over time. And they sort of do something for a little bit, then quit, do something for a little bit, then quit. So, you know, I'm all about the journey anyway. So you can you can improve so much in a loss, just like you can uh, improve a lot in a win as well. And so am I, uh, you know, you talk about mm-hmm. moments that I've shared or whatever. It's just being able to see a kid, Following the coach's instructions to the letter and having a, a win or a or a competitive loss, you know that that's something that's quite joyful as well. And being able to explain uh, that part of the journey to the kid, it's great. You you talked about you know society and, and potentially a, a lack of self belief or or a lack of belief that is shown to these individuals. How do you help them? find belief yeah how do i help them like i don't know the answer uh, and i'm really curious because i'd love to know i think the first thing is for them to mm-hmm. get to experience being put first for the uh for the first time in their life i mean it's you know it's always a balance you know as a as a parent do you do you you know you're following your own dreams of course as well and you've got your own goals and your own life and your own friends um you don't want to Dive, you know, dive full on into the into the kids and live you uh, live for them, but also there is that part where you're raising these great kids and and you know you got to uh, try and give them a balance between attention and privacy, you know, especially as they get mm. older. It's a delicate balance. You're right. And teenagers are hard. That's a sort of another hard age. Go- that group is hard too, in its own it way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there is these stages mm. to it. So obviously I can't use bad language on on this podcast, but but there's a stage at about oh, fifteen and a half to about seventeen and a half where it's the I call them the FU years. Yes, it makes perfect sense. So I'm not sure if, if people listening oh, have experienced that before. There's, there's almost <laughs> there's there's nothing there's nothing you can do about it really. Yeah, Matt, can they start early? Yes. <laughs> I so think he's four, suggesting I've, I've our daughter's a, starting early. I've had a 14-year-old who mm. started the FU years early, but that means they'll probably finish them early as well. That, I was hoping you would say that. It's so joyful, these um, the kids you've raised, when they get into adulthood, how they appreciate what was done for them back in the day. Mm, mm. It, when they're in the FU years. There's, they do have an underlying appreciation. They don't say thank you much anymore. Um, they, you have to interpret their behaviours and sometimes the way they speak to you or whatever is their way of saying thank you or is their way of appreciating you. You know, maybe it's just a, a conversation in a car or um, you know, a conversation after a, 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 you pick them up from a party or um, it might be something that's happened three days later uh, that they're, they're, they're ready to talk to about. Which, yeah, which they're not 
I'm not even sure if I've answered the question. Well, you <laughs> no, you haven't. No, you? it's really no, interesting. Have. It's interesting and it is hard and it's kind of quite um, but to put them first. relieving to know that it's inevitable and we, it just, inevitable. It's, we have to like endure it as best we can and get out the other side how, as how best you, we can. How do you find yourself enduring it on repeat? Well, see, I, I go through the FU years for about 20 years. It's, uh, it seems a bit unfair. It's, it, it seems a bit unfair. Like, oh, gosh, I, you know, and the, and particularly the boys I've raised, you know, they've already got, you know, they've already, you know, been at pretty angry, most of them anyways. So, yeah, it's, um, it's I've had some pretty, pretty big battles, pretty big battles over the years. I can promise you that. But, yeah, so to, to, to put them first and have them experience that. Mm. And the den to try and sell the journey. So the journey might be, you know, life's journey or their sporting journey. Um, you know, if they can, if they, if you can get them to buy into that, which I've always been able to, mm. then that's a, that's a powerful thing. And then the losses are handled better. They won't quit their sport. You know, they yep. go through that stage where they want to, they hate it or they want to quit it. Yep. You know, of course, you know, as parents, you don't want them to, but you also want them to uh, be to choose happy, their own you know, Yeah. Yeah, but you know how important sport is in so many ways. Mm. There's so many things they could be doing, isn't there? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, I, I more than anyone know that, you know. So, so yeah, that's that's how it all begins, and it, it grows from there. So, I think it's fair to say that some, if not all, of these boys have potentially had tough upbringings. How Absolutely. how do you navigate those moments? You know that are, that are difficult and. Have you undertaken any additional study or programs to help you manage these? I've, yeah, I definitely maybe not official degrees or courses, but no, no. I do. I do a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I I talk to other parents. You know, to have the, these sort of conversations. I don't think I don't think parents talk to each other about these little crises and stuff enough to each other. Mm. That's what I've experienced. They think they're experiencing it alone. They think they're the first parent <laughs> who's ever had a child swear at them or something, or or not speak to them for two days or whatever. They think they're the only ones. It's it's not like that at all. Mm. Um, it's 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 common, and um, that would be a big thing. I think you know, parents could uh, could talk to each other more about it. Um, so I do that as well. But it's a lot of it's on the job learning, isn't it? Um, yeah. You, know, you, you, you don't get to hospital and go, oh, here's the here's the instruction manual. Oh gosh. Here, you go, here, here you go. This is what you do at when they this happens at twelve or this happens at eight or this happens at seventeen. You know. All right. Oh, I find that there is probably a little bit of information when they're little, but it tends to drop off a lot when they get a little bit older, and that's when we I, I feel like we're a bit hapless to be honest in yeah, terms yeah. of you know that you, you get a lot of guidance perhaps not a, a, baby, a rule book but well, you're managing you know, responses and, aren't you and, managing crying or yeah check, this, check that look at this here are the milestones and then it's kind of you're on your own when it becomes really hard and the little problems when they're toddlers actually end up being really big problems when they're older and we don't have any way to navigate it's yeah. hard anyway. that's right i mean there's you, you get a little bit of uh uh you know knowledge about sex ed and drug ed at that age but yeah you know there, there's so much more that's, that's not covered and um you know saying no or telling a kid no or teenager no doesn't work mm. Mm. so i have to with these boys i've raised i've had to by stealth make it make bad what might be bad bad behaviors for us make them seem uncool mm. and undesirable rather than to say no Mm, mm, mm. I think we we probably do do that a little bit, but that's the ex police officer coming out in John as well. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just tell Which it is, how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I can be a little bit blunt. 
from time to time. We're not going to sugarcoat the outcome of the possible outcomes of these things. This is how I've seen it with my own eyes. The, the trick is to make, you know, whether it's uh, a sporting uh, debrief or analysis or whether uh, it's about pairing a teenager at home, you have to make it like it's their idea, mm-hmm. like they've decided it, and that's mm-hmm. that's tricky. And when yes, I, and I love giving myself a high five when I've done that. Yes. And they and they say something and they go, oh, it's straight out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, oh, that's a that's great thinking, you know. Great, yeah. Well, I didn't really think of it in that way. Well done. You know? <laughs> that's so cool. That's so true, though. <laughs> I think I'm too transparent, mate. I think they would see that. They would see that in me. I wouldn't be able no. to hold myself. Uh, no. no, no, you can be done. I can be done. I promise you. <laughs> that's impressive. You've told us obviously about boys that are, look, let's say from disadvantaged backgrounds and you've also mentioned that many of them tend to be really good at sports. So much so, you've even had parents of, let's in inverted commas, call them non-troubled kids, contact Mm. you and want you to take their child in. (laughs) What about that? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Um, So what will happen is that, you know, someone will uh, win a tennis tournament overseas or someone will... Uh, you've got a, you've got a product, almost a production. I think I've had five boys now playing in NRL systems now. Uh, it's like a little production line. I just do the same thing with them all. <laughs> and yeah, I've had others say, "Oh, can, can you take uh, my boy in for twelve months, or my boy in for six months, or okay, can he come and stay with you for two terms, or uh, to get them going?" So I've I've had a couple of those as well wow. uh, over time. And are they are they coming into state, or are they are they local to you? Do they know you? So, well, for example, I had a kid from uh, a family from Vic- Victoria contact me through a third party saying they'd heard what I'd done with, you know, person X yep. a few years ago yep. and go, oh, can he come and move interstate with you? Yeah. Was right. Yeah. So I, I said yes, of course, because I'm just a glutton for punishment, <laughs> but I can't say no. So, um, yeah, so and that, that went quite well. And then COVID hit and that was tough. Um, cra- cra- crazy in itself as well. You know, he's, he was Indeed. quite scared. And, you know, we didn't, I mean, as it turned out, we haven't had any any community cases still in the Northern Territory. But, you know, we, did, we didn't know what it was or what was going on at that time. So we had to, it was like the sound of music. We had to rush him over the border with about half an hour to go <laughs> before they closed the borders and stuff, you know. Oh, wow. and, uh, a big decision. A huge you know, decision. A big decision for him to make. This is after, you know, we'd, we'd, um, he, we'd got him playing sport again, which he hadn't been doing. We uh, stopped playing sport. We'd you know, got him off got him off um, whatever drugs were happening and all that sort of stuff and kept him busy. We were making progress, put put another three kilos on him and stuff as well. And, and then, yeah, we had to rush him off. So I'll go and visit him on the way home. So it was great. It would be great. Mm. Awesome. Wow. Oh, I, I don't, don't know. know I, I know. Like there's, there's so many I, questions. I want to ask a thousand questions. Yes. I'd like you to elaborate on on a moment and it doesn't have to be a sporting one but a you know a really enjoyable experience that you've had with one of these boys that's been a you know it's left a lasting impression on you there's two that's left a lasting impression on me i'll talk about maybe one that wasn't so good first um i had a you know a boy who was um uh playing um he was never until 15 and never really you know was just playing club footy you know wasn't wasn't making the team some weeks was making the team so he's um you know five fast forward five years he makes his debut for uh for souths i'm at penrith stadium and um he made his debut he's on the bench and stuff 
and he, you know, I travelled interstate for the game, whatever, and it got to this, it got to the, um, it must have got to the seventy eighth minute, and he wasn't on yet. Yep, and that's tough. I, I mean, I, well, not it wasn't. What people keep saying that it was tough for me. No. It actually wasn't tough for me at all. I was just delighted, you know. But I knew his personality, and I knew that he wouldn't be worried about not going on to the seventy eighth minute. He'd be worried about me. Oh. That's I knew that, that he would be like that. So he got on and um and you know made made a couple of tackles with game. It was fantastic, but I thought it was fantastic. And he and he was so he was so um he was so dirty after the game. He didn't want to talk, didn't want to talk to me, didn't want to talk to anyone after the game. And I'm thinking, you know, gosh, I've come three thousand kilometers. Um it was it was actually a, a really heartbreaker, you know. Um, because I was so happy for yeah. him. Yeah. You know, I was you know, just in awe of what he'd done to get Indeed. where he'd done. Of course, fortunately, he played many more games and, and got to start and played, you know, played at, you know, you get to see a play, kid play at ANZ Stadium. This is a you know, boy from Alice Springs, you know. How mad is that? Phenomenal. And probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, and the achievement, the, uh, there's so many more underlying achievements to that, mm, you know. Mm. You know, a boy who was, um, you know, he'd be, he left at, he'd be left at his house at eight years old abandoned for 24 hours, you know, while the parents are doing drug deals and stuff. Um, you know, he'd been in a lock-up with a, uh, with a parent overnight in, in the northern beaches. Um, you know, his uh, um, mother passed away just as they were starting to – we'd just got them talking again and stuff. Um, uh, it was just, just a heart, heartbreak after heartbreak. heartbreak. And, and um, to see him do this was just, you know ha- – um, you know how we build that resilience and determination was fantastic. But yes, that was a sad moment. Um, the other one was—I uh, mean, it was good, but it was also sad. Um, I had a boy uh, make his debut uh, for Manly at Gold Coast in the NRL. So he's so you know at 14 years of age. And for those who are in on the Eastern Seaboard, they would know that there's ones footy and there's twos footy. Yeah, you know, a lot of the age groups have a 14 ones, 14 twos. So this boy was a twos footballer all the way through to his fifth. Never played ones footy until he was fifteen, mm-hmm. and there was various reasons for that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he, was, he had a, a pretty um, up and down upbringing, so more down than up, and so it took him a while to get going. And um, he made his debut for Manly, and he broke his ankle in the first tackle. Oh, the first tackle, and it was wow. It was it was actually. Horrible seeing him out there. He stayed for ten minutes when he's broken ankle, and it was yeah, it was hard to wa- so hard to watch him struggle because mm. I knew he'd be so disappointed um, mm. after you know making his debut. I think that gosh, that might have been twenty, oh, maybe fifteen, and I don't, I'm not sure if he played again until he went to he didn't play a first grade game until he went to uh, Canberra, which actually um, you and John were at Tiffany. I know, I know, I know this. I know, I know that where that was going. And I thought but, he would uh, never yeah. get there again, you know. And he thought he would never get there again, you know. And some of that mm. was his own doing. And mm. once he's accepted that and took responsibility for that, he was a he was a better man. And that's and that's you know we all need we all. It's easy for us to say, oh, you've got to take responsibility for your actions. But that's a big lesson to teach uh, the teenagers as well, boys and girls. Wow. I know. Can you imagine sitting there? Can you imagine sitting there and seeing these kids do that after everything they've been through? It's um, yeah. it's extraordinary. I probably can't actually. I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, and even through our own children, having to experience some of their lows and moments. For example, Andy had to miss a, a state swimming carnival this week because 
because of an injury. And, well, uh, health, health and, health and it was just a, you know, it was just such a disappointing thing for her because the, the high likelihood is, you know, she would have done really well. Mm. And, and, yeah, that's um, right. They go through the stage yeah. of, you know, what's the point? They go through mm. that stage, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and obviously then the discussions. I mean, we didn't take it there on this particular occasion, but we say to them, sometimes that happens to Olympians. Mm, we just say some, the setback is setback. Some, no, no one gets to the top of their sport without enduring setbacks. Oh, it's just absolutely. Like you know, and that's what I said to her. It's just fact. You have to. Be, it's how you get back from this that's going to define you, not this particular yeah. thing. And, and that's not about you know representing your country or playing no, NRL. That it could be any sporting thing or any yeah. moment. That was important here. That's right. And for any kid, the scientific facts are they will make a full recovery and they will be as good as they ever were. Yep. Oh, I love that. And, and not only that. That's, just, that's a scientific fact. They'll actually be better for it because they'll want it just that little bit more after not getting it the first time around. Well, you hope so. <laughs> it is part of the journey. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, mate. And if you had one piece of advice for sports parents, um, what would it be? I'm sure there's a lot more than one. But um, let's, perhaps yeah. if you can start on one and we might open Elaborate. up a little bit. Yeah. Because, I mean, the only reason you know, I know so much is because I've made more mistakes than probably everyone listening. Oh, well, we're making a few, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've made we're a lot making of mistakes. a few, don't worry. Yeah, but, but, but that's why I know a lot. So I know a lot now, you know. Um, one of my favourites is the what I call mm-hmm. the 20-minute rule. Uh, have you ever been to a, a, a race or a sporting event with your child and you just can't wait to tell them everything they did right and everything yeah. they need to work on and talk about oh, what did it feel like then or what was that experience like or why did you choose to do that in the situation? The 20-minute rule is you do not speak to your child for at least 20 minutes uh-huh. after a sporting event. Maybe you can high-five them or something. I do that even if it was <laughs> diabolical. Um, it's a habit. Uh, I try and make it a success and disappointment yeah. the same. And then, you know, it'd be at least 20 minutes. Sometimes it'll mm. take them three days. So I had a situation even last night where I had a, uh, a kid open up fantastically out of the blue about, you know, something they could have done better in a sporting event, you know, three mm. days before. Mm. And um, I just let them go. It was really, really great. And then it was, you know, it was their idea then. Yeah, you see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I won't lie. I did maybe worm the conversation that direction. <laughs> but um, but um, the 20-minute rule is a huge thing. Um, I, love I see so much. I see so much of it at sporting events, and you know, it's only natural to want to either. Oh, psychologically, they actually don't remember for that period anyway. So if you ask them anyway, they're not going to be able to give you a good analysis anyway. Yeah. And I think being analytical is really yeah. important for young people playing yeah. sport. They need to be analytical yeah. as well. And yeah, just that twenty minutes, please, people, just just don't. It. Don't talk to them. Give them a high five and smile. walk away, or or smile, yeah, or whatever, nice. and let them and let them deal, and then um, then they'll be ready after that. They don't, they won't be able to talk to you anyway yeah. properly. I love that. That's a nice practical tool that you've obviously applied, and it works. Yeah, it works great, and and I'm able to teach the other other parents in tennis and rugby league uh, the same thing. You you talked about mistakes you've made. Any clangers? Far out. Um, or anything that really, really resonated for you that then, you know, if took you on another path mm-hmm. or taught you something important? Well, definitely there would have would have been things that taught me uh, taught me about that. And that I mean, twenty minute rule mm-hmm. is, I probably is... created for myself, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, probably made it was a it was a Matt, come on, don't 
give it 20 minutes, that kind of thing. But uh, nothing I recall. I just know I've made plenty because of the way that teenagers mm-hmm. react. Um, even as a, a, you take that aside uh, as my role of raising kids and take it to being, you know, um, high-performance sport, just just making sure I don't, um, you know, I don't blow up too much and, and don't... Um, Have you got a blow up in you, Matty? Yeah, I do. Um, I coach <laughs> I coach junior rugby league and... I do have one, yeah, uh, but there's not, no, I don't really. People, I, I, what I think is a blow-up, I coached, um, I had to, a few years ago I had my first, um, I had to fill in because there was no coach for the rugby league. Yeah. And um, so I gave my half-time speech and I gave everyone their instructions and everyone was kind of looking at me and it gets to the end of the game. We did win in the end. It was 18 or something at half-time. Anyway, we won and, the, and the, basically they said, you didn't swear at half-time. And we got, like we're used to F's and C's and and yelling, and they said we know we weren't doing well. And what what happened there? That what happened in there? You know, they just thought it, they they thought it was a bit strange. <laughs> you know, I, was, I gave this measured um, blow by blow halftime speech, and um, I'm not sure if they liked it or not. You know, how you know, interesting is that? And this is yeah, you know, we're talking about bush footy here. You know. Yeah, yeah, indeed. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then, yeah that's... <laughs> well, they've probably heard it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead, he's me giving now. Number seven, you're going to do this, and number ten, you're going to do that. <laughs> number three, you know, my little calm voice, you know. And um, uh, is it now older? These kids? No, these are these are adults. Oh. These were adults. Oh, yeah, yeah. So for the for the kids, yeah, yeah. Um, the day, you know, the days of heavy language and stuff are long gone. Oh, but, that's um, that's what I was making reference to. I'm uh, like, wow, at half time. But um, yeah. But it's yeah, only one, mate. Yeah, yeah. Plenty, but plenty of plenty of um. I'm sure there's been plenty of clanging, clangers. Otherwise, I would have, would have changed the rules for myself in the first place. Well, that's true too. The thing that's been resonating in my mind throughout is you talk about your mistakes and, and you talk about the opportunities that you've had and the things that you've seen. The good part about it is you get to do it with different personalities. So we are making the same mistakes with the same kids. <laughs> it's a, and one of my favourite lines. I've I've already used it in this podcast, but is um. You know how you know the reason why I know so much uh, is because I've made made more mistakes than yeah. you, and that actually and that resonates. So if I'm telling a a 15 year old girl or a 16 year old boy that I've made more yeah, mistakes than them, that's, that's I'm making myself vulnerable. And sometimes they'll even ask me about those mistakes, and I can tell some stories. That's gold. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sports Parenthood. Please leave a review, share with your friends, or visit our website sportsparenthood.com.au to connect. Catch you next week.